this morning, I want to draw your attention. We're again in that sermon series, Make America Repent Again. And today we find ourselves in Hosea chapter 7. Hosea chapter 7 is where we'll be. The words will be up on the screen in just a moment for your convenience. But listen, 2021, we're, we're halfway into 2021. We're really seven months into uh, 2021. And if you were to take the pulse of the nation... If you were to take the pulse of, a, of America, I, I don't think you need a medical degree. I don't think you need to go to Duke University. I, I don't think you need to go to LSU Med School to know that the nation is sick. And the nation needs healing. We're at a place in time, I don't know if you've given much thought to this, but we're at a place in time where people do not fear God. They have no sense of respect for God. They have a very arrogant view of themselves and how they fit into this whole concept of life. And, and people will defy God openly nowadays. It's no longer a secret that they defy God. You know, uh, people will openly use the Lord's name in vain and think nothing of it. It's just another word. People will uh, give no thought to mocking Jesus Christ or mocking the Bible or mocking Christians or Christianity. There's such an arrogance out there as if people will never have to give an account. And people are living today in 2021 as if there are no consequences for their actions. And I need you to know that that's a scary place for us to be as a nation. That's a scary place for us to be here at Beulah Land Baptist Church, at this church, in this area. That's a scary place because when people have no sense of reverence towards God or the things of God, that has an impact and effect on you and your family. When people do not respect one another, when people do not fear God or the consequences of a holy God coming down on them, then they're willing to live however they live and have no respect for you, have no respect for your possessions, no respect for this culture. Profane and just an absolute disdain for the things of God. And that's what we're seeing in 2021. Now, I don't want to depress anybody. I don't... I don't want to already tell you what you already know. Things are bad. We get it, Brother Chad. I want to show you today, though, that in Hosea's day, in the Old Testament, they were at a place very familiar. They were at a place where people did not fear God, where people did not show reverence for God or show fear for the things of God. And you and I both know when people don't fear consequences, there are no limits to their behavior. Children are a perfect example of this. When children don't have consequences for bad behavior, then don't be surprised when they're acting horrible. Because, in, again, in that child's mind, if there's no consequences, then so what? But guess what? Those children that live with no consequences are now grown-up adults who have no fear of what could happen to them if I cross this line. If I cross this line, they have no fear for what could happen to them. Now, you might have heard about the guy that, that was driving along the highway minding his own business, and he got pulled over by a gang, a motorcycle gang, and they ran him off the road. And he was in a beautiful, brand-new BMW with Pirelli tires on. I mean, that thing was decked out, leather interior. And that, that motorcycle gang ran off the road. And then they proceeded to get off their bikes and come over to him and tell him to get out of his BMW. Well, he really didn't want to do that. But there were about 40 to 50 of them and only one of him. So he 
he got out of his car and he's kind of a you know nerdy little fellow. And uh, they said, come here. And they drew a circle on the side of the road in the dirt. And they told that little nerd, they said, you get in the middle of that circle and don't you move no matter what or there's going to be consequences. So, boy, he stood in the middle of that circle. And they went over to the, to the BMW and they took baseball bats and they knocked off his side mirrors. And they turned around and looked at him. And just kind of smiling. They thought, this guy's weird. I mean, he's got Texas plates, but I mean, he's weird. So then they went back over to the car and they took their chains and they whipped them around like this and they just started scuffing up the side of that BMW in that beautiful paint. I mean, they were scratching it up. Ruined the whole side of it. They turned around and looked at him. <laughs> they thought, man, this dude, this dude's weird. Something, something's not right with this guy. So then they walked over with switchblades and they popped his Pirelli tires. I don't know if you've bought tires lately, but I can't afford Pirellis. I can't even afford Morellis. I, I buy the Maypops. You know what Maypop is? It may pop when you pull out the parking lot. But they popped every one of his Pirelli tires. And they turned back to him. <laughs> and they were like, what in the world? So then they busted out his windshield, his back windshield, front windshield, side windows. They turned around and he is just, <laughs> he is laughing hysterically. So the motorcycle gang leader went over to him and said, man, look, we don't know what's going on here, but there, there's something wrong with you. Do you know what we've just done? We've broken your side mirrors. We've stuffed up your paint. We've broken your windshield. We've popped your Pirelli tires. We've done all that. And every time we turn around and look at you, you're laughing. He goes, guess what? Every time y'all were doing that, I was jumping in and out of that circle. In and out of that circle. When y'all weren't looking, I was getting in and out of that circle. See, there are a lot of people out there that think that no one's watching. And that what we do, we'll never have to give an account for. And that's a scary place for the nation to be in. That was a scary place for the people of Hosea's day. Because they thought no one was watching them. They thought they could jump in and out of that circle and no one would care. They thought that there's no consequences. So if you have your Bibles, open to Hosea chapter 7. Let's go ahead and read now. Hosea chapter 7. Would you stand in reverence for the reading of God's word? We're living in a very chaotic time. You know this and I know this. But you're going to see that in Hosea's time, it was very similar. When I heal Israel, <clears throat> the sins of Ephraim and the crimes of Samaria will be exposed. For they practice fraud, a thief breaks in, a raiding party pillages outside. But they never consider that I remember all their evil. Now their sins are all around them. They are right in front of my face. Turn to your neighbor and say, uh-oh. They please the king with their evil, the princes with their lies. All of them commit adultery. They are like an oven heated by a baker who stops stirring the fire from the kneading of the dough until it is leavened. On the day of our king, the princes are sick with the heat of wine. 
there's a conspiracy with traitors. For they, their hearts, like an oven, draw him into their oven. Their anger smolders all night. In the morning it blazes like a flaming fire. All of them are as hot as an oven and they consume their rulers. All their kings fall. Not one of them calls on me. Ephraim has allowed himself to get mixed up with the nations. Ephraim is unturned bread baked on a griddle. Foreigners consume his strength, but he does not notice. Even his hair is streaked with gray, but he does not notice. Israel's arrogance testifies against him, yet they do not return to Yahweh their God. And for all this, they do not seek him. So Ephraim has become like a silly, senseless dove. They call to Egypt and they go to Assyria. As they are going, I will spread my net over them. I will bring them down like birds of the sky. I will discipline them in accordance with the news that reaches their assembly. Woe to them, for they fled from me. Destruction to them, for they rebelled against me. Though I want to redeem them. Don't miss this, please, please, please. Though I want to redeem them, they speak lies against me. They do not cry to me from their hearts. Rather, they wail on their beds. They slash themselves for grain and new wine. They turn away from me. I trained and strengthened their arms, but they plot evil against me. They turn, but not to what is above. They are like a faulty bow. Their leaders will fall by the sword because of the cursing of their tongue they will be ridiculed for this in the land of Egypt. Let us pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we ask, O oh God, that you would heal our land, and we know that for that to happen, that your people, for those who are called by my name, your people will have to turn from their wicked ways. They have to show humility. They have to humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, and then you will hear from heaven and heal our land. God, speak to our hearts. Show us that this is not something new. That over the years, throughout the annals of history, people have rebelled. People have been arrogant. And, sh and they've, they've shook their fist at you and said, what are you going to do about it? They've stepped in and out of the circle and think that there are no consequences. But we know better. We know that a day of reckoning is coming. So God, help us as your people know how to live, what to do, what to tell people about the coming day of judgment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So I just finished reading a book written by Dr. Carl Gallup's called The Summoning. The Summoning. I recommend this book to you. I got a lot out of it. The subtitle says, Preparing for the Days, the Coming Days of Noah. Remember Noah and the Flood. Preparing for the Coming Days of Noah. This book just came out a couple of years ago. And I want to read to you something that Dr. Carl Gallup points out. First of all, he says, as I write these words, only 10% of America's population claims to even come close to attempting to live according to a biblical world view. Only 10%. If this trend continues, that number will fall even more drastically in the next few years. Among millennials, the percentage has already dropped to just 4%. 4% of millennials have a biblical world view. 10% of America in general has a biblical world view. 
Carl writes, it's not difficult to see where all this is headed. We're at least at the edges of the days of Noah. And we're in fact probably way beyond the mere edges. And if America, the largest Christian nation in global history, is already at that prophetic precipice, we can be reasonably certain that the rest of the planet is already far ahead. Amen. The summing. Preparing for the coming days of Noah. So in the days of Noah, there was going to be a flood. <laughs> but people said, what's a flood? <laughs> well, it comes from rain. <laughs> well, what's rain? <laughs> you see, they were living in absolute blindness and ignorance about there ever being a day of reckoning, a day of accountability. So they kept doing what they were doing. They kept living sinfully like they were living. And then the flood came and wiped them out. They were not prepared. And there's many people today living as if there is no accountability, there is no day of reckoning. I'll live however I want. I'll do whatever I want. Uh, and as I was studying for this this week, this truck, like, swerved into my lane without any blinker, without any finger, without any <laughs> hand or anything, just swerved into my lane and then slowed way down so you were in such a hurry to get into my lane and then you get right in front of me and you slow way down. But here I am preparing for this message and on this guy's back window was the, the decals, no fear. And he drives as if I'm not a serial killer. <laughs> you ever thought about that? How do these people know when they run you off the road that you're not a serial killer? How do they know that there's no consequences? But on the back window, no fear. He drives as if he has no fear. No fear of the law, no fear of a road rage, no fear of a crazy person. And that is a description of how people live. They keep doing what they're doing. They keep living their ways. They keep turning their head at God, shaking their fist at God, speaking as if there is no accountability, using God's name in vain, doing all these things as if no one's watching. Stepping in and out of the circle, in and out of circles, and thinking that you're winning. Mm -hmm. Thinking that you're getting away with something. Right. And wow. in Hosea's day, the people lived without fear. You notice that in verse 2. Look at verse 2 again. You can see that the arrogance of the people in chapter 7 and verse 2. But they never consider that I remember all their evil. They never consider that I remember all their evil. That is a great description of society today of, of people that never consider that God sees all this, that God knows all this, and that God will have to punish this. What kind of God is he if there is no accountability? You know, I, I like how people will say, well, God is a loving God. Yes, he is. But one of his titles is he is the eternal judge. And so let me ask you this question. I know when you go to traffic court and you were just going seven miles over the speed limit, I know you want that judge to be a nice, compassionate judge. Can I get a witness? I know you want him to show mercy. Amen? But let me ask you this. What if you and your family were the victims of that serial killer that I joked about earlier? And what if that serial killer one day broke into your house and he killed everyone in your family and tried to kill you, but somehow, some way, you survived? And now you 
are going through this serial killer's trial. You are watching the witnesses. You are listening to the expert testimony. But you know what it was like that night to hear the glass breaking. You know what it was like that night to hear your little siblings crying. You know what it was like to hear your parents crying for mercy. And now there you sit as one of his victims that was able to survive in that courtroom. And there you sit. And now they're trying this man for murder. In that moment, you want that judge to do what? You want him to render judgment. You want him to hold this man accountable for the fact that he killed all of your family. Isn't it interesting how when it's traffic court and you were just going seven miles over the speed limit, your concept of that judge, if he were a good judge, he would show me mercy. But your same viewpoint of that judge is turned when you are the victim of, of, of man who murdered your entire family. You now want that judge to render judgment. So let me, let me enlighten you about something. Yes, God is loving. Yes, God shows mercy. Yes, God shows compassion on those who turn from their wicked ways. On those who seek God. Of those who want God. But I'm going to tell you something. Those that shake their fists at him, that want nothing of God, that deny his existence, that profane his name, that spit on the church, those people out there, there will be no compassion and no mercy. Mm -hmm. And while that may make you uncomfortable, it ought to make you more passionate about sharing the gospel. It ought to make you go tell those people, even though they're living in the darkness now, it could be you that delivers them to the light. It could be you that shows them the way. It could be you that shows them, I'm a recipient of mercy. You need mercy. In the Hosea's day, they were living as if there's no accountability. But let me tell you this, God will not be mocked. Let me share this passage from Galatians. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Uh -huh. <laughs> verse 7. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will also reap. Look at it again. Don't be deceived. Don't be tricked. Don't, don't have a, a, a worldview that's not shaped by the word of God, that's not shaped by the Bible. The Bible clearly says, don't be deceived. Don't fall for the lie. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will also reap. Amen. So when you're out there sowing watermelon seeds, don't cuss and don't write when corn don't grow. When you're out there sowing seeds of division and dissension, don't cuss and don't get mad when your family's on the episode of Cops. Oh, I forget, they don't have cops anymore. They got rid of it because it's offensive. But don't complain and don't gripe when you're featured in the Inquisitor because your whole family is fighting with one another, spitting on one another, and, 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 and doing all kinds of Zawali madness. Don't cuss, don't scream when you are planting seeds of evil and you're reaping that. See, you and I need to be planting seeds of love, seeds of mercy, seeds of grace, because when I'm planting those seeds, I'll be reaping the benefits of that part of it, grace, mercy, and love. A lot of times out there where we plant certain seeds and then wonder why. Why are those things coming up? Where did you plant them? How did I plant them? What have you been listening to? What have you been doing? What, are you, what kind of conversations are you having? What are you showing among your neighbors and your friends and family? In Hosea's day, it's quite clear that there was a lot of seeds out there of division and immorality. 
God will not be mocked. A day of reckoning is coming. And listen, I know people don't like hellfire and brimstone sermons. And so years ago, they told us, if you want to grow a church, don't have a hellfire and brimstone sermon. They're necessary, yes. They are absolutely necessary for the salvation of souls. Let me just tell you this. You could probably fit the number of people that have been saved by a cotton candy message in a telephone booth. Now, some of you don't even know what a telephone booth is. You could fit the number of people that have been saved by a cotton candy sermon in a Prius. Does that make more sense? In a Prius. In a Mini Cooper. And yet, the experts told us, if you want to grow the church, you can't do those hellfire and brimstone messages because it scares people. Well, hello, I want you to be scared. I want you to recognize there's a holy God. I want you to recognize the reality of heaven and hell. I'm going to preach whatever God tells me to preach, and I know that's what you want. I know that's what you want. You don't want a cotton candy sermon. You want the truth. The unadulterated, unapologetic truth of God is what saves people. Cotton candy, sugar-coated messages are fluffy and full of sugar, but they have no nutritional value. Take it to cabbage. Amen. We don't need cotton candy messages in the days that we're living in. In the days of Noah, you don't need a cotton candy message. You don't need to be told, I'm good. You're good. We're all good. Turn to your neighbor in Houston. Tell them how good they are. I do all three. Find out who his barber is and give him a new haircut. <laughs> people don't want to talk about hellfire and brimstone. They don't want to talk about things that make them feel weird. Oh, that, that, there's a lot of people out there that don't even recognize that they're on the wrong path. That song that we sang earlier, People Need the Lord. Marlene's description of the, the, the look on people's faces and how they use laughter in that song. They use laughter to cover up that emptiness that's in them. I, I couldn't help but picture, and, and, and Brother Larry, I know you pictured this too. I couldn't help but picture all the people that we encounter in our, in our daily jobs, but also just out in the community that have such an emptiness. And, and, and their soul is so lacking. And on the outside, the world may deem that person successful or happy, but you and I know something is missing. You and I see emptiness. You and I see that the, that they use the laughter and, and the amusement of life to cover up the true sadness that's in their heart. People need the Lord. For, and, and if you agree with that, if you know that people need the Lord, then what are you doing to tell somebody out there? What are you doing to tell somebody out there that they're on that path to destruction? Because many of them ignorantly don't even know. Many of them are heading down a dead-end road and aren't aware of it. And it's our job to tell them. It's our job to warn them. And let me be clear. God does not want. So let's go back to that motorcycle gang. They threw that circle and had that little guy stand there. So God's ultimate design and desire is not to punish people. Did you know that? Yes, he's a jealous God. Yes, he is an eternal judge. Yes, he will hold people accountable. No, he cannot be mocked. But watch this. Ultimately, according to 2 Peter 3, 9, it's God's will that none perish, but that all come to repentance. God's will that none perish, but all come to repentance. God truly desires and has designed it in such a way that if you will open up your heart, if you will humble yourself, quit shaking your fist, quit turning your back on God, then he will receive you into his loving arms. He will forgive you no matter what you've done. 
no matter how many people you've let down, no matter all the filth that you've, you've stirred up, he will forgive that heart that wants to be forgiven. If you will seek him, you will find him according to Scripture. If you will seek him, you will find him. But 2 Peter 3.9 could not be more clear. It's God's will that none perish, but that all come to repentance. So let me ask you this today. You see, God has provided a way, even in an adulterous generation, even in a filthy society, even in an empty, vain-filled world, God has provided a bridge from here to eternity. And the bridge is the cross of Calvary. He has provided a cross that if you will humble yourself and recognize you can't get from where you are to where he is without Jesus. You cannot get there through philosophy. You cannot get there through psychiatry. You cannot get there through psychology. You can't get there through a bottle of Patron. You can't get there through pain pills. You can only get there through Jesus Christ. He has provided a way. If you'll humble yourself, you will cross that bridge. And just as Brother Ed sang, you won't cross Jordan alone. You will cross it with Jesus because he's your Savior. He's your advocate. He is your brother. He is now the reason that you can gain admission only through him and by him. And for those who will humble themselves. So I'm going to ask you this. Do you believe in God? Yes. Do you believe that we will one day give an account? Yes. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Yes. Are you living with a respect and a reverence for God? Yes. Are you like that guy who's driving behind no fear? See, I have fear. I have fear. I have fear. A healthy sense of fear and reverence will keep me in that circle. It'll keep me where I'm supposed to be. If we don't have that healthy sense of reverence and fear for God, then we just do whatever we want when we think no one's looking. How many of you recognize someone's always watching? How many of you recognize that God sees all and he knows all? You see, in these days right here that we're living in, these are the days of Noah. Amen. Something is going to happen. There's going to be a day of reckoning. I don't predict. I don't prophesy when that time will come. I'm just telling you it's soon and very soon. So it was Memorial Day weekend back in 1987 out on beautiful Lake Bistano, or as they say, Bristano. I hate that Debbie's not here to, to hear this, but it was a beautiful day, Memorial Day weekend, May of 1987, and a very successful Shreveport attorney by the name of Graves Thomas, who was 40 years old, he owned the largest lot at that time in Green Acres Place. Green Acres was a newer subdivision, and he owned the largest parcel of land in Green Acres. He had a very extensive reputation in Shreveport Bossier and he represented a lot of people and got them out of their charge and got them released from prison. In fact, he was listed as a who's who among new and aspiring attorneys in Shreveport Bossier, Graves Thomas. And on that Memorial Day weekend, it just so happened to be that Graves and a friend of his went out with two beautiful young ladies out on Lake Bistano and witnesses tell us that all day long it was sunny and it was beautiful. But at one point, Graves, with those two beautiful ladies within earshot, and then his buddy, and another uh, one of the ladies was out in the water getting ready to go skiing. He's getting the boat set up, getting the line run out, 
And at some point, unbeknownst to anybody why he did this, but Graves, 40 years old, please don't miss this, 40 years old, Graves Thomas, successful Shreveport boat entertainer. He stood up in that boat and laid this one on And he took his fist like this and he shook it. And he said, here I am. And a lightning bolt struck him in the top of his head and killed him instantly. And a guy that just so happens to be related to me, Dr. Denny Gamble, was close by, witnessed what happened, and went out there and tried to perform CPR on Graves Thomas, unsuccessful. They worked on him over an hour. But the witnesses say that on that sunny day, Memorial Day weekend, 1987, lightning bolt struck him in the top of his head and killed him. You sit here and you say, I'd never do that. I'd never shake my fist. I'd never say, here I am. I'd never defy God. He may not do it in the manner that Grace Thomas did. And you may not be so bold as to stand up in a boat on water and shake your fist. But can I tell you something? We're all Grace Thomas. When you defy God, when you go against his word, when you use his name in vain, when you do all those things, that's great Thomas. Even though we put him in this category and our clean sins in a different way. <laughs> dirt is dirt. Amen. Sin is sin. Now the consequences of sin are often different. Let me just tell you this. The witnesses that watched all that happen, it had a profound effect on them. The UPI back in the day did a story on that. The Associated Press did a story on it. You can pull up some of the old articles that mention what happened. But some of the witnesses say that that day changed their life forever to see two young ladies that just wanted to hang out with a rich attorney and wanted to be out on the lake. You know, that one young lady that was out in the water that he was tossing a line through and she was getting his shoes ready. That young lady prayed to receive Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. And to this day, is a faithful member of the church. I'll allow her to remain anonymous, but I actually know her. And it changed her life, and it made a profound, profound impact on her. And I wish it didn't take that for some of you. I wish it didn't take a lightning bolt from heaven striking a, a man shaking his fist at God. I, I wish it didn't take something like that, but this is what I know. Some people, some people will still turn their back. Some people will refuse to listen. Today, open your ears, open your eyes, open your heart. God is God. There is a day of reckoning, and I want you to be prepared. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, this is the part of the service we call the invitation. And it's where, God, we respond to what you've said.